0: Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, we're talking all about new addition Shake Milton and second-year Timberwolf, Kyle Anderson. What will each of their roles be? What is Shake Milton bring to the table? Why the Wolves sign him? What his role will be this season? And also, how will Kyle Anderson's role change? What will Slow-Mo have to do differently this year than he did in his first year in a Wolves uniform? It's all up coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Hump Day. Happy Eve of the first Timberwolves preseason game. Coming up on Thursday from Abu Dhabi, a big thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's free. Of course, now is a great time the, the Twins uh, in... Opening opening up uh, with a win in the wild card series, the first playoff game win for the Twins in eighteen years. They haven't won a series in or no nineteen years, eighteen tries over nineteen years, eighteen games over nineteen years. And if they win on either Wednesday or Thursday, they'll win their first series since two thousand two, so twenty one years ago. Believe it or not. Um, Anyway. Now's a great time to subscribe to the Locked On Sports Minnesota channel. Of course, football season as well. And you can do that um, again on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on X, formerly known as Twitter at Beacon and at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right. I want to start by talking Shake Milton today. Um, he is one of the, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess in general, the Timberwolves additions this offseason have not been um, not nearly as. Um, quite literally large as say Rudy Gobert last off season, And a lot of what the wolves are banking on this year is health from Carl Anthony towns improvement from Rudy Gobert based, uh, you know, from his first year in Minnesota, which by all accounts, um, for him individually was disappointing. Then also Anthony Edwards taking the leap from star to superstar. That's where the wolves are going to improve the most, but their depth is also unquestionably better now than it was 12 months ago. And we've talked already about Troy Brown jr. That was on Tuesday's show. Nikhil Alexander Walker, of course came over in the, at the trade deadline, but the wolves will have a, a full season of him for the first time. and, uh, Shake Milton is the other addition from outside the organization that we have to talk about. And I want to spend most of our time or about half our time today, I guess, talking about Shake Milton and why that signing was so important. What is his role going to be? Well, he is effectively the backup point guard, and, and I don't think he's a natural point guard necessarily. Chris Finch has come out and said recently, it was towards the end of the offseason, he said, he gave an interview, he was on a podcast and said, hey, Shake Milton is, we consider him a point guard. He is a point guard. Um, now... He was a he was nominally a backup point guard with the Sixers, but obviously playing with some of the other guys they had there that initiate offense, namely James Harden. Um like he wasn't initiating a ton of offense for them, but he could off the bench, right? He's he's really that versatile combo guard type player. He's almost got the size more of a shooting guard or a big point guard, but he's a scorer, right? Like he can get his head and shoulders past you, get to the basket and score. We saw him do that to the Wolves. Um, he had 20 plus in one of the games against the Wolves last year for the Sixers when they were shorthanded um, and was really impressive. So he is a score first type of guard. And I think maybe the the best way to put this in a Wolves context for fans who watched this team last year is he's a much more experienced and much better and better shooting version of Jalen Noel. He's, Nearly as bad defensively, I would argue Shake Milton's not quite as bad. I mean, Jalen Noel is one of the worst perimeter defenders in the league last season and has been uh, over his career. Again, hate to just rag on Jalen Noel, but there's a reason he's not on a roster right now. Um, Shake Milton's better than that, but he's not a good defender, right? Where he's better than Noel, beyond the experience thing, he's been in the playoffs four or five seasons. Um, it, it's He's just a better shooter, and he's a more consistent offensive player player you're not going to get the ups and downs Jalen Noel at times was a bucket and and that was the thing that was said about him a bunch it was true he could get a shot off whenever he wanted and when he was on he was really on but there were a lot of lows to the Jalen Noel experience especially last season Shake Milton um, is much more consistent much much more consistent overall as a player and certainly on the offensive end of the floor and and to me that's what the Wolves were searching for in this role last year they went into the season assuming the Wolves did Jordan McLaughlin was the backup point guard, right? Jalen Noel was the backup too. His minutes are going to be limited because he's going to play behind Ant. But then McLaughlin gets hurt uh, around the same time as Carlton Towns did, you know, in in the November, mid-late November timeframe. And instead of finding a backup point guard or, um, oh yeah, I mean, I guess that would have been the only only other option. There was no other backup point guard on the roster. The Timberwolves opted to just have Jalen Noel essentially run the second unit, Offense, uh, except for when Ant would be subbed back in. But you'd get four to eight to ten minutes per game where Jalen Noel was effectively running the offense with the bench, with the bench unit. And as the season wore on, Finch kind of started to hand those keys to Kyle Anderson and was like, hey, slow-mo, go play a point forward. We trust you to get us into our offense. It's going to be more consistent than just giving the ball to Noel because what does Noel want to do? He wants to shoot. And when it as the year wore on, I think I was certainly expecting him to at some point look more like the version of uh, the Jalen Noel from 21-22 when he was legitimately great off the bench for the Wolves and was really good in the playoffs in that series against Memphis. That never happened, and so the Wolves were left with this, and then McLaughlin eventually comes back from injury, was not himself either. So the the, the backups in the backcourt for the Wolves, like, thank goodness they got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, as at the time, I was wrong. I thought it was more of a throw-in. He was a huge piece of that trade when they brought Mike Conley in. Because otherwise, what are your who are your backups in the backcourt? It's Austin Rivers. Like he's the only other guy. Bryn Forbes is off the team midseason. wasn't good when he was with the team. Um, uh, I, that was kind of it, right? Like there was nobody else with any consistency in the backcourt, especially after McLaughlin got hurt and Jalen Well was not it. Shake Milton's here to provide that veteran leadership off the bench, some consistency, um, and and just better shooting all the way around. And and this is part of I did a show back in I think late July, early August comparing what the Wolves brought in with Shake Milton and um, Troy Brown Jr. and Nicky Alexander-Walker lumping him in, even though he was a trade deadline acquisition. They re-signed him this offseason compared to what's out. And that's Torian Prince, it's Jalen Noel, and in terms of the rotation, I believe it's Jordan McLaughlin. And I brought back a little bit of that on Tuesday's show in talking about Brown Jr. and Alexander-Walker. And I want to talk a little bit more about that today because, well, those two are essentially cobbled... cobbled Their minutes will be cobbled together to cover over what Torian Prince, you know, went out the door with TP leaving. Jordan McLaughlin and Jalen Noel's minutes will mostly be covered by Shake Milton. And of course we're talking three for three. It's, it's not perfect, but this is the comparison for me because Shake is the backup point guard. That was Jordan McLaughlin's role, but he's also a combo guard. He's effectively a backup two guard as well for the Wolves. You look at the rest of the bench, there aren't any other guards that are like true guards, like point guards or shooting guards. That you would say these guys are in the rotation, right? Your five bench, your five man bench unit. It's Shake, it's Nas Reed, and then it's three wings in the middle: in Nikhil Alexander Walker, Troy Brown Jr., and Kyle Anderson. Yes, technically Troy Brown's going to probably play some shooting guard. Nikhil Alexander Walker will play some shooting guard, but those guys are wings. They're pretty interchangeable. Shake is the only one that really is, and, and I know. We'll we'll actually might as well talk about it now. Alexander Walker is going to initiate some offense, which is why I've hesitated to call Shake Milton the backup point guard. I mean, Chris Finch basically did say that, but Alexander Walker is going to get his turn to initiate offense. But Shake is the one who's going to get those backup minutes behind both Mike Conley and Anthony Edwards. And that, in my mind, is the Jalen Noel role. And then also the Jordan McLaughlin role from the start of the season last year. Shake Milton is a better three-point shooter than both of those guys. He's actually a better rebounder than both of those guys. Um, he's not a worse defender than uh, Jalen Noel, as we've talked about, and he's also an equal playmaker in my mind as well. So I want to get to all that next. I want to talk about what he brings to the table in general, what the role will be, and then we'll shift into talking about slow mo and how Kyle Anderson's role will definitely change this season, um, just based on the rest of the the makeup of the rest of this roster. So we'll get to all of that here next. It's football season. That means pizza, wings, and maybe even some buffalo chicken dip. Whatever you prefer at your tailgate or your watch party, go all out and get cash back on every single purchase with our friends at Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It really is that easy. The average Ibotta user earns 100 bucks per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip or You could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now and use the code LOCKED to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app. Use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store, and use the code LOCKED. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every dayers. We'll talk on Thursday. We've got Mavs, Wolves from Abu Dhabi. We'll talk a little bit about that, what to look out for. We'll also continue the player preview series on Thursday. We'll pause on Friday to do a post-game pod uh, based on what happens in Abu Dhabi Thursday. So that'll be what we do Friday. We might do one player preview, depending on how much there is to really glean from preseason game number one. The Wolves play again Saturday. So we'll start next week with a bit of a post-game pod of sorts on Monday's show. And then we'll get right back into player previews and finish that out next week. And then we're into the teeth of the preseason in just a couple of weeks out from actual regular season basketball. So plenty to get to here in the coming days and weeks. Uh, make sure you're following and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Continuing the Shake Milton conversation, um, I alluded to this just a moment ago, but he is a better shooter, certainly than Jordan McLaughlin, and absolutely better than what Jalen O'Well provided for the Wolves last year. Jalen O'Well, after shooting the ball well a couple of seasons ago, was under 30% from three. Jordan McLaughlin has gotten worse every year from outside the arc. Last season was thirty, basically 31%, 30.8%. So you're talking Jordan McLaughlin, 31%. We're rounding up as a three-point shooter, gotten worse each of his years in the league over the course of three seasons. Jalen Noel, 28.9% will round up to 29%. So you're replacing a 31% three-point shooter and a 29% three-point shooter who combined to average four and a half shot attempts per game from outside the arc. So you're taking, um, no, I'm sorry, five and a half. So you're taking Noel McLaughlin, five and a half three-pointers per game at about 30%. And you're replacing that with whatever Shake's gonna end up shooting, and and with um, at least with Philly the last couple of years. He was attempting a, a little over two three pointers per game over the course of his career, two and a half three pointers per game last year. About two per game, he's gonna get more than two per game with this Wolves team. I think he's gonna have pretty heavy bench minutes, and he's gonna have more opportunities to shoot. Now, last year he was thirty eight percent from three, rounding up from thirty seven point eight for his career. He's thirty six and a half percent. So really, right about where league average has been the last couple of years. He's got one 43% season in there. He's got a couple that were around 32% that seem to be outliers. Again, career average 36.5%. No matter how you slice it and dice it, he's a better option as a perimeter shooter than both Jordan McLaughlin and uh, Jalen Noel. Overall, B-Ball Index, who we cite often because they do a fantastic job of compiling different advanced stats. They have their own. It's all in a great spot, bball-index.com. They gave him a B as a overall perimeter scorer. Above-the-break threes last season, Shake Milton shot 42%, 41.9% on above-the-break threes. That's in the 92nd percentile league-wide, grades out as an A, which is really interesting. And also, by the way, 72% of his three-point attempts came from above-the-break. Um, not as good in the corners, which is weird. Uh, actually, just 30% in the corners. But he was super, like... Forty-two percent above the break and also forty percent on catch and shoot threes, which is a seventy-sixth percentile league wide, and that grades out as a B plus according to B-ball index. That is quite literally, uh well, literally isn't the right word. It it is I'll say it anyway. It is literally night and day from Jalen Owell and Jordan McLaughlin, 29, 30 percent to Shake Milton shooting, you know, 36, 37 percent, but 40% catch and shoot, 42% above the break. And again, like bringing Torian Prince back into the conversation, you have to find a way to replace his shooting. And you could do that with Shake Milton, 40% catch and shoot, with Troy Brown Jr., 39% catch and shoot. Prince was 41% catch and shoot. Combined, Milton and Brown are gonna probably shoot more threes per game than Torian Prince did last year at roughly the same efficiency, assuming that that carries forward. So unless something crazy happens, you're gonna replace a lot of that shooting. Yeah, it comes in the form of two different guys, plus whatever Nikhil Alexander-Walker can give you. But no matter how you shake it, no matter how, shake, I don't know, Shake Milton, I we'll say it this way, no matter how you how it shakes out, or at the end of the day, whatever um, phrase you want to use, Troy Brown, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and Shake Milton are better than Jalen Noel and, uh, I don't know, Austin Rivers. Better. It's, it's a Torian Prince in a vacuum, you could argue, is still the better player of all these guys at this exact moment. Never mind the fact that he is aging a bit. He would have cost more than all of them. He's probably the best player in a vacuum. But if you're if Prince Noel and and you know Jordan McLaughlin and Austin Rivers are out of the rotation, and you're adding in to Alexander Walker, Shake Milton, and Troy Brown Jr., that's an improvement. You're raising the floor. You're raising, um, you know, uh, raising tide. a uh, 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 raise What am I trying to say? A raising tide lifts all ships. Is that is that the phrase? Is that what I'm trying to say? Um, that's true here. This roster depth is much, much, much improved over last season. Um, And this is one really good example of it. And and I keyed in on the shooting for Shake. We could also talk about playmaking as well. Um, Again, I don't think he's a pure point guard, but he'll be asked to initiate offense along with DK Alexander-Walker. And as I've said all along, I think uh, Anthony Edwards will also initiate some second unit offense. There will be those same chunks of minutes each game, anywhere from four to 10 minutes, depending on the night, where Ant's not on the floor and somebody else has to initiate, Ant and Mike Conley are both not on the floor and somebody's got to initiate. Shake Milton and Nikhil Alexander-Walker are the first two up to do that in an ideal ideal world. B-Ball Index gave Shake Milton a B uh, in playmaking last season. He was a solid playmaker for the 76ers. He, 84th percentile, grades out as an A- minus in terms of assist points per 75 offensive possessions on the court, which is a good way of measuring the value of the assist that he was getting Passing creation volume was a B-plus, 75th percentile. High value assist per 75 possessions, which is assists that led to three-point attempts or free throws. Uh, he had an A-minus last season, 87th percentile. So that speaks to Shake's ability as a playmaker, as a decision maker, knowing where, and the Sixers are obviously a well-run team and, and an incredible offensive team. Shake Milton fit right in there because he knew the right pass to make. And he's going from Joel Embiid to... And James Harden and those guys there to um, coming to play with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. And I'm not at all suggesting like clearly the Sixers have a uh, um, it's it's a bit of a different level. Right. But it's the same idea. Um, And. Shake knows how to play with superstars. He knows how to fit in. He knows how to pick his spots as we saw him do against the Wolves. Like when some of those guys are down, when there's he's got to create more for himself, he can do that. But he's also a better catch-and-shoot guy than the guys he's replacing. He's a better playmaker than Jalen Noel. He's a better playmaker um, than you know, Austin Rivers. Better playmaker than Torian Prince. Now, McLaughlin, you know, fine, we can have that conversation, but he's also still on the roster. Like, McLaughlin's still your break break last in case of emergency because there's foul trouble or we just need somebody to run the offense. Jordan McLaughlin can still do that. There's still a chance he fights for some minutes this year. We talked about him the other day on the show. But um, in general, Shake Milton replacing the Noel McLaughlin Rivers minutes is a clear win for the Timberwolves. All right, let's segue into talking about Kyle Anderson and what his role is going to be this year. Slobo had a career year last year shooting the basketball by almost any metric, a three-point shooting, easily the best of his career, 41%. Previously, his career best shooting the three was way back in 2016-17 when he shot 37.5% with the Spurs. And prior to last season, he was a career 33.4% three-point shooter. But last year, he shot it at the third greatest volume in his career, and he shot it by far best efficiency, 41%. He was really good from the corners teams were still leaving him open though because we know kyle Ernest is not a sharpshooter that's probably going to come back to earth a little bit but effective field goal percentage for him was the best of his career uh, led in 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 large part because of the three-point percentage but even just raw field goal percentage which i don't like to use it was his third best overall field goal percentage of his career uh, part of it is he was playing the four a little bit more he was involved in some more pick and roll he got some easy buckets that way but um you know, his overall usage wasn't extremely high as it shouldn't be, but he started a lot more games than he had over, you know, uh, at least his last year in Memphis because of the injury to Carlton Towns. He found himself in the starting lineup 46 times last season. Um, I think Anderson is a candidate for some regression this year from a raw numbers standpoint, mostly because um, Carlton Towns will be healthy or starting the year healthy and knock on wood will stay healthy. And also, Nas Reed is in the picture. And we talked about this a little bit in the past, but Nas has a big contract. He started last year on the fringe of the rotation, racked up a few DNPCDs, Nas did in October, early November. Cat gets hurt right around Thanksgiving, and Nas becomes his mainstay in the rotation and never lets go of his spot, and is a rotation guy the rest of the year, gets the big extension, the three-year extension in the offseason. He's now a part of this rotation, which bumps Kyle Anderson to the three within the Wolves rotation instead of the four. That means... The defensive matchups will be trickier for Kyle Anderson. He probably will have the ball in his hands a little bit less, especially with the additions of Shake Milton, the re of Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Now, there were moments last year where Kyle Anderson had to run this offense, and he was the their only hope against zone defenses. Remember the whole like first half, three quarters of last season, the Wolves could not get out of their own way when teams would switch to zone defense. And of course, zone is never a, a super... Um, it's not a long-term answer within any any individual game at the NBA level, but teams would go to it frequently against the Wolves and they couldn't figure it out unless Kyle Anderson was on the floor and that he was at least the guy at the nail, at the free throw line, distributing, um, hitting cutters, understanding where to find the open shooters within the scheme. Um, he's still gonna have to play that role, right? He's still gonna have to play point forward at times. I just think he'll have the ball in his hands a little bit less this season because the team is deeper, the personnel's better, and hopefully this team is healthy. Um, to, to back up my point about him having the ball in his hands more last year. Yeah. His usage rate was his lowest in three seasons. It was the highest assist rate he'd ever had in his career. And that was simply because he was being asked to initiate the second unit because of Jalen Noel struggles because of the injury to Jordan McLaughlin because of the lack of other playmakers. Um, but I think that comes down a little bit. I think that it's fair to assume his three point percentage will come down a little bit. I mean, what did he shoot from the corners last year? I have it here somewhere. Um, Again, overall, career-high 41%. He shot 46.8% on corner threes last season, and nearly half of his three-point attempts were from the corners. Now, for his career, actually a little more than half his three-point attempts are coming from the corners. He's not shooting above the break threes, nor should he be, and it felt like maybe once every couple games, he'd be wide, wide open, and he'd have to shoot it, and that percentage was much lower, but 47% from the corners, he'll get another one or two of those a game, Um But I don't think he's going to be as involved in the offense otherwise. They just need him to be a glue guy defensively. Hope he doesn't get isolated too much on quicker wings and and guards at the point of attack defensively. He's a really good team defender. You just got to be careful with how often he's on an island on the perimeter. I want to talk a little bit more about the impact of him moving to the three and what that does to the team overall. uh, Because there are some pros to it too. Um, So we'll do that here next. All right, talking Kyle Anderson to close the show. I want to be clear, Kyle Anderson. I'm talking about regression, and I started kind of negative with slow-mo. Yes, the career highs last year—they're not a bad thing, right? It just means we need to look out for that regression this year. He was invaluable to the Wolves' success. I mean, the Wolves don't win 42 games and, and frankly, don't get the seven seed and or uh, you know get into the playoffs and get get into the play in and get the seven seed in the playoffs without Kyle Anderson. I mean, like behind. I mean, I don't know. He was probably the most consistent player all season. Like, obviously, Ant is considered the Wolves' best player. You could argue Kyle Anderson's impact was every bit as good, or if not greater, because he was that glue guy. Um, when Cat was on the floor, yeah, he was good. He wasn't himself, and he also only played 29 regular season games. Mike Conley was something of a savior after the trade deadline, helping this team to further gel and and you know be an adult in the room type of a thing. He only played 24 regular season games in a Wolves uniform. Rudy Gobert was good, but he wasn't him typic- his typical self. Kyle Anderson was the constant. And yeah, he missed, uh, what did he miss? 13 games due to injury himself. That's pretty par for the course for Kyle Anderson. I mean, he hasn't played 70 games in a season since 2018. Like his entire Memphis career, the most games he played in a season was 69. He's played exactly 69 games each of the last three seasons. We can expect that again this year, right? There's going to be back spasms, there's going to be nicks and bruises, and they got to keep him healthy over the course of the season. Um, So, Like, we could factor all that in. He was still really impactful last season, and the Wolves, frankly, do not win 42 games, do not have the uh, palatable finish to the season that they did. Not super exciting, but winning the play-in, winning a game against Denver, great. Uh, That doesn't happen without Kyle Anderson. Now, in terms of him playing the three, it's not ideal from a defensive perspective. It probably doesn't matter that much from the offensive side of things because his role will basically be the same on offense, it will, I think, I mean, it should help them on the glass. Now, Kyle Anderson had, I believe, a career worst year rebounding the basketball. Yeah, um, this is actually kind of crazy. Over the course of his first seven seasons in the league, Kyle Anderson had a rebound rate of between 11.0 and 11.5% every single year, which is insane. You can go through a basketball reference, every single player, nobody, I, I don't know this for a fact, But I I know this for a fact. No other players had, like, within a half percentage point, exact same total rebound rate for seven straight years. That's exactly what happened to Kyle Anderson, an 11% rebound rate between 11 and 11.5 every single year. Last season, or two years ago with Memphis, it jumped to 13% because he played more center. Memphis played a lot of small ball. Jaron Jackson Jr. was hurt a bunch. He played some center, and his rebound rate went up. Last year, a career-low 10.5% rebound rate. His total rebound rate or excuse me, his defensive rebound rate was under 17%, which was easily a career low. He'd only had two other seasons below 18% at any point in his career. Um, and, and that's now a nine season career. Part of that was getting pulled away from the basket with defensive assignments. That should happen less this year. Um, be just because they have more defenders to Alexander Walker and, 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 you know, hopefully more Jaden McDaniels, less foul trouble. Uh, but, in theory, it's an advantage for the Wolves because they get a bigger lineup on the floor. They put slow-mo at the three. But in general, if you look at the course of his career, the advanced stats tell a story that when he's at the three, he's less effective than when he's at the four. Now, part of that could be less rebounding because he's near the basket less as a three. Um, but I also think it's because he, he has had in the past a tendency to be overexposed on offense. I think the Wolves did it, obviously, did a good job at limiting that last year because he had a career shooting year from three and he was effective offensively. I think with the Wolves, with the way the Wolves want to play offensively, that's not going to hurt them too much. But I would have caution, assuming that Kyle Anderson is going to turn in another 41% three point shooting season, another year with an effective field goal percentage north of 55%. That's pretty unlikely to happen this year. I think he can have a similar season, even though he'll be at the three. I think with the way the Wolves, what Chris Finch wants to do on offense, and the way the Wolves are constructed. He can turn in a similar year to last year, even if that three point percentage comes down a little bit. Um, I, I'm comfortable saying that I think he'll have a similar all the way around season. Now the minutes will be less. Uh, hopefully, they should be. They should be able to keep him fresher. He played the most minutes per game last season than he had since 2019, and that was that. That was uh, he only played in 43 games. So that and that was the season since his rookie year he played the least. So last year was the most minutes he's played. Let's see. Uh, the most total minutes he's played in a season since 2018, 2017, 18, and the second most in his career. And he's 30 this year. Um, Kyle Anderson just turned 30 at the end of September. So they're going to want to limit his minutes some uh, on some level anyway. Like hopefully he can play 70 some games, but you don't want him averaging 28 minutes per game. And if things go according to plan, he won't need to. You've got Nas Reed to play the four. Carl Anthony Towns will play the four. You've got Nas to play the center and Katz to play the four. Kyle Anderson is going to play a lot more three this season than what we've seen in previous years. And while it's not ideal, I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt them that much. Um, everything else about Kyle Anderson has been overwhelmingly positive in a Timberwolves uniform. And, and you know, From his finishing at the rim, the isolation defense on the perimeter has actually been really good. Playmaking, B-ball index gave him an A last season. Again, career-high assist rate. He initiated a lot of offense. I think that also comes down a little, which may lower some of these other metrics that suggest he had a career season last year, just because he'll have the ball in his hands less. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You can always go back to that, right? You can always add more slow-mo possessions. He's always... your essentially your backup to the backup at every every role on this team, right? He can be a perimeter defender, in isolation point of attack. He's not your first choice, but he can do it and do an okay job. He can initiate your offense. He's not your first choice. He can do it and do an okay job. He can play the four or the five, uh, or he can play the three or the five, even though he's best cast as a power forward. He's not your first choice, but he can do those roles. He is really a Swiss army knife, which I think is the way that Chris Finch put it early last season a couple of times in the media was calling him a Swiss army knife. He can do a little bit of everything And last year, it was more ball-in-his-hands, initiate offense. This year, hopefully, it's less of that and more of like, hey, we'll just fill him in wherever we need him. All right, Uh, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Again, Thursday, we'll talk a little Dallas Mavericks preseason. We'll talk a little bit more player previews. Friday, we'll do the post-game pod after Thursday's preseason game in Abu Dhabi against the Mavs. So a big week. Upcoming here at Lockdown Wolves. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the On Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. And you can follow on X at B Beacon and at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.